What's up, everybody? Welcome back to a new episode of Backstage Ballers. Today, I'm joined by Randy Foy, a Villanova grad and 11-year NBA vet. Welcome, Randy. What's up, everyone? Thanks for having me, man. Uh, I appreciate it. Awesome. So, we'll jump right into some questions, but before we talk about your basketball career, I want to first ask about your Instagram bio, which says, Basketball Saved My Life. Do you mind elaborating on what the game of basketball means to you personally and how it's helped you get through all stages of life? I just look at I just look at basketball. Um, I looked at it as a, a tool, you know, where I used it and it didn't use me. So I felt as though, in my situation of growing up in the toughest city and in North New Jersey, in New Jersey, which is North New Jersey, right? As far as this gang violence, um, just a lot of crazy things going on. When when I was coming up, that you can be, you know caught up in something where it could take your life so i always was something was going on and i just didn't feel safe my safe haven was always to just go to a gym go to a basketball court and just you know dive into that start shooting around yeah an hour or two and i and i said this on other interviews that most of the time when i did that and people who i was cool with i would come back you know, after I play hoops and I would see, you know, some of my friends or some of my neighbors and they'd be like, hey, you know, such and such just was, he just got locked up or, you know, this guy just, he just got, um, wow. he just got shot at or this guy just crashed or it's something crazy. And it just was like, that was a sign for me uh, from God that, you know, this is your calling, you know, sports is your calling. And, you know, if you do, you do right by, you work hard, you know, it can, it can give you anything you want. That's awesome. That's crazy. I just, you know, you, from my perspective and, you know, talking to people I know, you hear those things, you know, you know, in the media or just in other interviews, but you never actually have the opportunity to speak to somebody firsthand who, who's been through it. So hearing that is, um, it's moving. Um, so moving beyond, you know, the media aspect of things and uh, your Instagram bio, now we'll kind of jump into your career a bit. But let's work a little bit chronologically. If you got what I'm saying, we're going to start with college just a tad bit. Uh, you played for Villanova. You were excellent at Villanova, especially your senior year. But you played in the NCAA tournament for multiple years. Is there anything that stands out to you about that level of competition, uh, the excitement around those March Madness games, or maybe even nerves uh, that still st- stick out to you in today's world? One of the things that sticks out to me is that I didn't realize you know, how hard I was playing. Like I look back at some of the minutes that I averaged in college and I look back at, you know, just some of the people who I was playing against and the numbers I was putting up right. and the things I was doing for my team. Like I, like I get emotional when I think about that because, you know, I, I gave, you know, I gave Villanova everything. Like I gave Villanova every ounce of me to, to help, you know, turn a great program around that was down for six or seven years. Right. So, I just, when I look at that, it's just like everything that you see now, I see me, you know, when I go back to, to practice and I see guys, you know, warming up a certain way or doing certain things and, you know, like our little pregame stuff, I see guys, you know, doing certain things where they, how they dribble, how they shoot, it's the same way. And so when that happens, like when I go back and I see that, that like as a, you know, I would say like not a founding father, but someone laid the foundation right. for what they're doing now that's like that bring that makes me emotional because it's just like 
my sacrifices were well worth it at Villanova. That's great. Do you still remain in touch with your college teammates? Um, yeah, we just had a um, we just had a huge thing. At, um, it was like eighty alumni, but my backcourt mate Alan Ray, they just retired his jersey. They retired mine five years after I was done. Um, Coach Wright retired my jersey at at Nova, and they retired my backcourt mate. And that that's telling right there. Two guys in the same backcourt, right. same years, get their jerseys retired. That's telling. So. Was Ray the guard that was injured your senior year? Yeah, with his eye, like we were playing against Pitt, um, Pittsburgh in a Big East tournament, and Carl Krauser um, swiped at him and popped his eye out. Right, right. Oof. Gosh. I remember hearing about that one. Yeah, that was that was, that was pretty gruesome. It's probably tough, and, you know, I mean, clearly you guys are close if you're, you know, still keeping in touch and meeting up nowadays. So, you know, I can't even imagine what that meant to you back then. Um, yeah, so all, all of us yeah. were there about a week ago. But it's just like, it's cool to say that they beat Kansas. They won to a national championship. You know, I think it's like three or four Final Fours. You know, it's just like when you see that, when you see that stuff as someone that you that you know, you were in the gym for five or six hours working a day. Right. And you were really seeing the results that you wanted to see. And then it all came full circle in my junior senior year. It was just like, all this stuff is really paying off, and I'm glad that I took this route. I'm glad nothing was easy because it makes me appreciate, you know, the game and my grind so much more. And you talked about how, you know, the, your level of performance was great, uh, tremendous in college, the numbers you were putting up in the minutes that you were playing, um, what you were able to accomplish, accomplish at Villanova. Obviously, being drafted into the NBA was insight for you. I'm sure you knew, and it was, you know, I'm sure it became a, re- I'm sure you knew it was a realistic goal for you to be able to accomplish. Uh, you ended up being drafted seventh overall in 2006. Were you expecting to be drafted around there? Did it come as more of a surprise? Oh, no. I was first team All American. I was Big East player of the year. Right. Um, I was second in scoring in the Big East. That's when, like, the Big East was, you know, Pittsburgh, Syracuse. Oh, yeah. UConn. And I was I was player of the year. Like everyone we played against that year, they I knew. Gave them, yeah, the, the last two years I gave them buckets. So, like I knew I was gonna be drafted high. Actually, I thought I was gonna be drafted even higher. But when it when you when it comes to the draft, you know, and, and you watch these things, and you can you can look at you know it's all about where you're drafted. Right. You know, it's all about, and it was nothing wrong with you know, where, where I was drafted, but it's all about where you're drafted. Like, it don't matter. It can be Jaleel Okafor, the number three pick. Right. If you go to that team and they got, you know, guys that they that they see like, oh, okay, this guy is this and this guy is that, it's going to take you a long time to try to work through that. And so a lot of times when guys get drafted, I don't care how good you are in college. I don't care how good you or McDonald All American in high school. It's all about where, where you're you drafted. are. How do they value you? What is the coach like? Because the GM drafts you, but if the GM drafts you and he has a certain vision, and him and the coach are not on the same page, then that's a whole nother fight. Because now you're not only fighting against your opponent every night, but you're fighting against 
the probably the narrative of the coach saying, "Well, I want a, a, a point guard to just bring the ball up and set my offense up instead of a, a scoring point guard, or I want a shooting guard that runs off the screens instead of you know do step backs and, sh- and shoot the ball." So it's it's crazy. Like the NBA is weird. It's it's a right. hard place yeah. to make it. So, you know, the career is only like three years. It's a hard place to make it. But if you end up making it, you know, as long as I did or as long as some of these other guys, and you're a double figure score for your career. You know, I, I look at it as you had a, a great career. Did you work out for the Boston Celtics? Yeah, I worked out for the Boston Celtics twice, but understanding that they had that pick that was already traded and then understanding the relationship between Kevin McHale and Danny Ainge, I realized why I worked out with them, worked out for them twice. Got it. Um, do you have a favorite team you played for? You played for a few in your career. Um uh, outstanding for the Timberwolves. I remember watching you I and I actually have a signed card. A Randy Foy signed card that I got from going to a 76ers uh, Timberwolves game. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, so I'm wondering, do you have a favorite team you played for or any favorite teammates, something that you want to, you know, maybe a little shout-out to? You, you know what? All of, I enjoyed every single place. Like, there's no place. You know, some places I felt as, like, deep down, like, not deep down inside, I just felt as though I was done wrong in some places. Like, I thought, I knew what I was, and I know everyone else knew. When you drafted me, you knew what I was. Right. And I knew... You know, I was a killer, but I know, you know, GMs and I know certain situations can kind of put you in a situation where you feel as though you're like fighting for your basketball life where it's just, you're like, come on, man, like, you really going to take me out for, you know, missing two shots? (laughs) I was going to say, I see that all the time. Guys, they get hot and they get taken out and I don't understand these rotations now. It's it's wild. And it's, it's crazy, but for me... I enjoy every place I play. A lot of the GMs I, I play for, I still have relationships with them. I never burned any bridges. You know, I always was professional. I always understood that this was much bigger than that 48 minute game. That you shed a light not only on that team, but your family. You shed a light on yourself. You know, how you carried yourself as a man. Because that, that was the real one. When you get hit with some of those situations where you're not playing as much as you should, or you get snatched early, that's like a character thing there. Like, how are you going to react? And I felt I felt a lot of times I, I handled myself as a professional. Right. And I think, you know, nowadays I don't, I don't want to slight the NBA today, but I feel like there's too many times where people don't hand, handle things professionally. Um, with this yeah, day and age... This is in every sport. This is in any, this is in right. every profession. You know, it's just the, the light shines so big on the NBA, especially... In the states, you know, it shines. It shines so bright because, you know, you the Instagram. You know, you look was, at Instagram yeah. between all besides, you know, soccer with you know Messi and Ronaldo, yeah. and Neymar, and those guys. But you look at that like NBA is the most followed, right? Right. And and in the states, you know, football is number one. But you know, you really don't know who the football players are with a lot of the times because of the helmets. Like we know the greats, but. Do you know, you know, one, two, three, right, the top four, but do you know the other seven that's on the field after that without their helmet? And I, and it's not to say anything bad about, you know, football, but it's just everything is highlighted when it comes to, you know, basketball in the States. And a lot of the times, you know, everything is you, it's magnified. Like anything happens, you know, people know, you know, so many right. people in the locker room that, there's so many people around the locker room. It's not even playing. If something happened, they they leak it to one of their friends. Their friends leak it 
and then now that story gets out, and then now you got to confirm if it's true or not. Do you feel that social media and the the rapid rise of social media has has added some power to the players almost? If some, if one thing goes wrong, they can post about it, and next thing you know, there's rumors of them being traded. Yeah, look, we we talking now through a DM, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the power right there. That's the power of social media. Like this is my platform. My platform. Um, allow you to, to come across some pictures or whatever it may have been, and just say, "Oh, that's that's Randy Foy," because I don't have a, I don't have a picture up there myself. I just have a, a black dot. Right. And you just say, "Oh, that's Randy Foy." Let me just reach out and see if he'll do it. And you reach out, and then I look at you know some of the content that you got up there, and I'm like, "All right, it looked pretty cool. Let me try it out." But that's the nowadays that's what social media can do for you, which is extreme, which is awesome. But in some areas, you know, when you go through personal things, it also can be bad. That's right. You got to find a balance. I, th- I feel. So, quick little transition now onto this new thing, uh, a new NBA concept that has uh, sort of become more popular in recent years: load management. So, from what I've heard, the standard NBA NBA eighty-two game season can take a toll on players' bodies. And in your career, you've played multiple eighty-two game seasons, all eighty-two games. Do you have a specific opinion on load management? Do you agree with it? Do you not? I think you did your homework. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I do, man. It's just, I remember we had the lockout year. We were playing, instead of back-to-backs, we were playing um, three games in a row. And I just remember, I remember playing two games in a row. And I played, you know, I, I had whatever double figures in one. And I think I remember I was saying to Blake Griffin, we were getting ready to play the Mavericks, the Dallas Mavericks. And I was like, so Blake, I was like, yo, man, my legs, like, my legs don't feel right. Like, that was, I never felt like that before. Like, it felt like, I don't know, you know, sometimes your legs feel like jello in it, but it felt like, like, I didn't, I can't even, I can't even feel my legs. And I can remember, I remember saying that to him. And I remember Blake was like, I feel the same way. But that game, you know, it's on Instagram. I, uh, not Instagram, it was the ESPN game. I got it still, and I flipped it back to him. He almost jumped to the moon, and then afterwards he was laughing. I was like, "Man, it wasn't nothing wrong with your legs." Yeah, right. He's like, "Yeah, he's like that adrenaline just kicked in, man." And we just, but it's just like, yeah, some of those games, bro, it's, it's tough. And a lot of times people think it's the um, people think it's the the games that get you right, or just playing so many games. Yeah, it's the it's the for me it was the airplane it was the airplane rise because I had a I cracked my kneecap my second year. And so just dealing with that swelling when I got on the plane, just, you know, your knees swelling up a little bit, yeah. a little tender, you know, landing, trying to figure out, you know, ice, Normatech. I've never heard that know, before. Of, yeah, a lot of water and, you know, trying to get your rest and then doing it all over again. And then when you weren't doing it, getting some type of practice where you're always on your feet. So it just was for me, to be honest with you, it's like, that's a, it's a tough, like, it's it's like when you get to the NBA, you, you have to be a man. Like, you have to be a man, right. for one. Because you're going to be playing through injuries throughout the year. And, and for two, you got to be ready for the grind. Because it's going to be a grind. It ain't no turn up. It ain't going nowhere partying. If you out there playing and putting in major minutes, the, the most partying you might do is a restaurant and you back in, in that room preparing for the next day. Because you know you're, you're so focused on that game. Yeah. You know, whoever you're playing against, you got that action. And that, that was my take to it. I just knew I had, like, action because I was a starting two guard. 
So I know wherever I played at, every single night, I had action. So I had to be prepared. I had to be ready to shoot. I had to be ready to play D. I had to be ready to lead. So that was my take. Got it. And, and I love that, especially I, I feel like people don't necessarily know how important the legs feel. You know, if you were a three-point shooter in your career, and the way your legs feel can have a tremendous impact on your three-point shot. Am I right? Yeah. So if, you, if, you're, if your legs are, are heavy, you know, that's just uh, – Something, a signal that's being sent to the brain saying, hey, um, you know, today we're not feeling well. Right. So, you know, what what do we do? What else do we do? And then you start pulling from other areas. You know, you start pulling from your, you know, different parts of yeah. you know, your body. And that's just that's just fatigue. But then I always say it's mind over matter. Just either, you know, you that's right. get out there and fight through it or you don't complain about it and and struggle because everyone's going through it. So you just got to fight through it and then figure out how you're going to recover after the game. Do you have a favorite play of your career? A play? Favorite play specifically? And you have a bunch of deep threes and buzzer beaters to sift through, but is there anything that stands out to you right off the bat? I, I think one of my my favorite plays, I don't know I don't know if you remember Kurt Heinrich, but yeah, Bulls. Kurt Heinrich was a great, great defensive player, right? Yep. And I remember – I had when when I was playing with the Timberwolves, just like they they signed Mike James, they signed they drafted me seven, and then Mike James had a career year the year before he averaged twenty in Toronto, and they signed him, and I just remember fighting through, you know, going against Mike James every day, which was a tough matchup, straight a good player, pit bull, good shooter, good handle, all that stuff, and I can remember just playing against him every single day in practice, trying to you know break my way into the the rotation. And I remember I was playing so well. I was so focused from listening to, you know, Kevin Garnett and, you know, how to prepare, how to take care of my body and what to do on a day-to-day basis to be a pro. And I was doing it. And I did it for, like, six weeks straight. And I just remember they put me in, and we were down against the Clippers. And I went crazy. When I say I I think I was like, 17 points in the fourth quarter. And then – I think it was like the two games later we were playing Chicago and they had like this one Ben Gordon was Ben Gordon this one Luau Dane Perry right. Heinrich you know like all of these guys they had a good team it's a scrappy and team they could was, shoot yeah I was balling and at the end of the game Dwayne Casey draws up a play and I think I have at that time like 23 points I think KG has a, he was a double-double machine I think he got like 25 and 15 and, Kate, and he was like, this is what we're going to do. He's like, Randy, you take the ball out. He's like, you throw it to, he's like, you throw it to KG. KG, he was like, act like you're going to drive. Stop. Flip it back to Randy. You take your whole right side, and you, you take it to the basket and make a play. And I was like, and I looked at, like, I, I don't know who I looked at. I think I looked at Curly Smith, like, because he was like, he wasn't in the game. I was like, he want me to, like, you tell me you want. I'm taking a shot? Yeah, you running the last play for me. And, uh, you know, the Hall of Fame and the legend, you know, the anything is possible, KG. All right. So he did it. He flipped it to me and Kurt Heinrich. And I hit him with, like, a little Tim Hardaway crossover. And I put it up high off the glass. That's, like, one of my favorite moments because I got hype. But I ain't get too hype. I was poised at the time. And then the next play, I, like, got a block. So I just was, like you said, man, I just was – Probably a huge confidence like, booster. Yeah, it was just like I was there. That was my moment, and I and and that whole year, you know, I was first team, you know, all rookie. I was um, 
I was, I think I was second or third in, in rookie of the year, but like I had a great year and I just thought I was getting ready to like, I thought it was about to be like, I was about to take off and then I cracked my kneecap and I, that's when I had to, you know, figure things out. So gosh, like asking me to take a buzzer beater over, or, you know, an important game shot over Kevin Garnett. That's wild. I mean, I gotta, yeah, I gotta find that. I gotta find that clip somewhere. Yeah, it's up there. It's like flipped it back to me, and it was like I hit it. And it was like I think it was like either one point four or something left. It was less than two seconds left. Yeah, when I made the shot. Wow. So, another quick transition. You have a podcast of your own. I listen to it. I love it, and I feel like more people deserve to know about it. I'm only gonna scratch the surface. It's called Outside Shot with Randy Foy. For those people who haven't heard of it before. Um, but that really, like I said, does not scratch the surface. Do you mind sharing just a little bit more about your own podcast? Yeah, so I just, like, I was just, I was sitting down and I was, you know, I was looking at all these podcasts and I hate when podcasts are done, like, where it just sound like, scratchy and I wanted to make it everything like a movie, a movie, me and my um, partner. And we just was thinking about, I, I look at myself as a, you know, it's like a double entendre where... I'm an outside shooter, right? Yeah. And I was the outside shot. Like, it, it was a long shot for me making it to where I needed to go. And these stories are, are not heard. You know, it's a lot of successful people that come from situations that are horrible. And you don't hear their stories on that stage or, or in that light just because, you know, they're not an athlete or they're not a CEO or they're not this. But it's a lot of successful people. Who, who have amazing stories. So I, I looked at my platform and I looked at, you know, the people that follow me, the people who I wanted to reach. And I said, this is something that I got to do. So I start, you know, just reading, Googling, like everyone does. Doing your research. And, yeah, just doing my due diligence and my research, like you said. And next thing you know, it's just like, oh, okay, this guy's into it. Uh, Mayor Carulla is from, they just, he's from Syria, you know, this, yeah. this is going on, he was shipped to Saudi Arabia, but then he couldn't go to college, he's got to be a citizen, to be a to go to college in Saudi Arabia, so he came to the States, 9-11 happened, he's a Muslim, right it's a great story. in Jersey, yeah, and then you're like, he's the mayor of a town now? <laughs> like, no, that's not, and then you just read, read, then, you know, everything going on, with Syria and Damascus and all that stuff. And it's just like, can we get this guy? And then you reach out and they hit you back. That's right. You think about my, yeah. You think about my teammate, Will Sheridan, and you know, he was living with something that we all know about. You know, he told me as a, you know, as a teammate and as a leader on Villanova team, he told me, you know, like I'm gay and I don't want no one to judge me on it. But, you know, I know if you look at me a certain way and if you do something a certain way, um, how you feel about it, then I know people are going to respect it. And I said to him, I was like, you ain't got to worry about me. I was like, I don't look at you like nothing. Because my uncle and the person who I grew up with, just like six years older than me, he was gay. And, you know, I know, like, people, how he dealt with it, how people bullied him and the homophobe stuff basically, you know, tore his life apart. So I'm like, I'm with you, bro. Wow. That's, I mean, having these experiences are, having these experiences are priceless and these stories are priceless You and you get to share them on your podcast. So that's why I recommend everybody listening to this definitely goes to give that a listen. And 
Typically with my uh, with all the guests, my final question for them asks for advice, but for this one, I'm you know throwing a little bit of a curveball, asking a different question about uh, regrets. And I know it's hard to look back on a successful NBA career and have regrets, but in the rare event that you may, do you have any re- regrets? Nope, I have absolutely nothing, because you know all of my mistakes um, has made me not only the the, the the athlete that I that I am, but it made me the husband I am, and it made me the father that I am. So I have absolutely no regrets whatsoever. Like, I look at it like everything is a blessing in disguise. That was I, that was a great answer. I couldn't have asked for anything better. Um, I really appreciate you coming on to this episode. That wraps up. I believe this is episode five of Backstage Ballers podcast. Randy, you were an amazing guest, great speaker. Make sure to go check out the outside shot. Uh, you can say your goodbye, and that'll be all. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. You know, keep doing your thing, man. Um, I always call it, you know, for me, I look at it as a grind. You know, I got that on, on my wall everywhere, grind season. So just look at everything as a grind, man. Just keep doing your thing. And like you said, have no regrets, you know, through the mistakes, the ups and downs. And trust me, in the end, it's going to be well worth it for you. So I appreciate you, and I appreciate you putting me on your platform. Awesome. Thank you so much, and have a great rest of the year. Thanks, man. See you.